Greetings, podcast fans. You join me in the Milking It library. I'm chilling out, listening to the first ever Milking It podcast. I've got a glass of brandy on one side, I've got a fat Cuban cigar on the other, and I'm surrounded by all of my podcast heroes in pictures on the wall and the big heads mounted and stuffed. Uh, you've done the unthinkable. You've downloaded the first ever Milking It podcast, and I can only say thank you for myself and Boo Lamont. We got together a few days ago, we chit-chatted for about two and a half hours. I've tried to edit it down to a tight hour of stuff. I hope you enjoy it. My throat shot. Uh, I'm full of cold, but uh, it, it, the only way is up. This is the first ever Milking It podcast. This is the one I'll go back to in 20 years' time and uh, probably tinker with it and add a load of CGI effects and loads of extra characters and uh, replace Jabba the Hutt with uh, an actual CG version of him rather than the original guy who played. Right, so yeah, enjoy this and uh, well, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. I've got the feeling. Here we are. Uh, it's the first ever Milking It podcast. I'm David Davis, and I am joined by the man himself, Mr. Boulamont. Hello. <laughs> so just to explain why we're here, um, I, I was unemployed for a couple of months, and the thing that kept me going were comic books, Batman, and podcasts. Uh, I've bought all the comic books I can. Um, I ha- unfortunately can't get Batman on the podcast, so I've got Boulamont. Um, and, and this is what it's all about. It's all about geek culture. It's the things that make me smile, things that make me laugh, and um, bringing Boo in, we're just going to discuss it and just have a bit of a chit-chat, really, and uh, a bit of a general thing. So um, the reason I'm on here is because I love podcasting, and uh, I'm a writer and performer, I'm a stand-up comic, and uh, let me let Boo Lamont explain why he's here. Hello everyone, Boo Lamont here. Um, I'm a uh, big fan of comic books, as is everyone. I'm a big fan of films, as is everyone. And uh, we, myself and Dave, are at the forefront of this culture. Um, I myself am a former professional wrestler, I'm a published comic book author and, uh, and, and self-proclaimed Lutherian, um, as in a fan of Lex Luthor. So anything kind of comic-y, filmy, uh, that, that floats my boat and uh, tickles my pickle, so to speak. So um, we thought that the two of us being fairly knowledgeable and fairly funny guys, we thought we'd share some of our culture love with you. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, this is the first podcast. We're kind of trying stuff out. You know, if the, if the audio quality isn't the greatest, then I apologise. But we we are trying our best with the limited, <laughs> limited technical knowledge that we have. To, to Just imagine that I'm a man in a box in the corner of the room, because I think that's how it's going to sound for the first kind of couple of episodes until we kind of get our feet under us. Absolutely. And I, I am in this uh, very glamorous podcast studio, which is essentially my brother's spare room. Okay, so the big geek news this week has been Gamescom. We're on uh, when we're recording this as we speak. Uh, we're on day three of it. It's in Cologne, I believe, and um, they have been unveiling loads of bits and pieces. The biggest news, well, there were two big announcements this week. Uh, mainly that the uh, PlayStation Four is going to be released on the 29th of November. So we've actually got a release date: 15th in the US, 29th over here. But the big one was 
Xbox backpedaling so fast they could churn butter. Um, basically, they, they, they've announced that you, everything you thought was wrong with it at E3 is absolutely fine now. So um, it, it, you, you can play your pre-owned stuff on it. You can share your games with friends. You don't have to have the internet on all the time. The connect doesn't have to be connected all the time. It's not going to watch you while you sleep or masturbate. It's literally... Oh. <laughs> that's a, that's, you're the only person in the UK who thinks that's a down point. <laughs> I had a Bill Gates tattoo on my cock, especially. Uh, oh. <laughs> Achievement. Charitable work. Achievement. Achievement on lot. <laughs> so, so basically, and they've also said that anyone who orders it day one will get a special bundle that includes a download of FIFA. So the, one of the biggest games for the download, uh, sorry, one of the biggest games for the first day is going to be free. So that's a big deal for them. And it's also like FIFA Legends and stuff. I don't really understand it because I don't really understand football. So it, yeah, it doesn't really mean a lot to me. If they'd said, yeah, you get WWE 13, then yes. I wouldn't know what they're talking about. They because, yeah, for me, sport doesn't exist unless it has dry ice and fireworks. So, <laughs> um, so I just want to get your feeling on it. So uh, obviously you've seen some bits and pieces. I am, without a doubt, uh, a dyed-in-the-wall Xbox fan. So, for me, my next-gen console is going to be the Xbox One. They could have said that I have to have it hooked up to my vein every day to to make me be able to play it. I would still be getting that over the PS4. What's your thoughts? I'm a, I'm a die-hard PlayStation man. Um, what? I, I, was, um, I was an Xbox person up until a few years ago hmm? um, that when I worked out that I'd gone through four Xboxes in as many years. So it's got nothing to do with the technology, it's got nothing to do with the games. I mean, with the PlayStation, there were a few things that kind of sold me on that over the Xbox. Um, PlayStation Plus being the main thing, you know, two to four free games a month was brilliant, and I'm really hoping they'll drag that across to PlayStation 4, as far as I know they are. Um, Again, I've always been like a kind of Xbox guy Mm. before, but I think with this new generation, it, it comes down to... It's slightly cheaper. Um, the PlayStation 3 has actually been fairly successful for them, and I've actually enjoyed it as a console. So I'm thinking of the two, kind of stick with the one that you feel you got the best value out of last generation. And although I love you, Microsoft, four Xboxes in four years is very unreasonable, so I'm, 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 I'm staying with the PlayStation. Really? I see. I don't, I don't know. I just, I've just never got on with the, the, the controller or anything with the PlayStation. It's not, for me, I've had my PS3 since it came out. I got, got it because I got some god-awful Motorola mobile phone, which was probably worth about £25, and I paid <laughs> um, I paid a contract for two years, and I ended up getting my PlayStation as a free gift, which I now realise, looking back, I probably got shafted. Um, but for me, it's been the best Blu-ray player I've ever had, but I, outside of God of War, I can't remember a game I've played that has made me think... Are you, oh, are you telling me, Dave, you've not played Uncharted, The Last of Us? I've played, I, I, I've played Uncharted. I've I played the first Uncharted. i played the second Uncharted. I believe I might have played halfway through the third Uncharted before I lent it to you, and you got it stuck inside your no, fucking no, that, PlayStation. That was Uncharted Two. Oh, okay, because, that's <laughs> because I can I can I can backtrack the date that my first PlayStation Three yellow lighted on me um, from the last achievement I got, which was Crystal PlayStation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the PC popped up. You fucked your machine, ha! And uh, 
<laughs> no, the uh, uh, butter knife got that out though. So, oh, uh, brilliant! <laughs> thank you, thank you, HNB for that uh, for that copy of <laughs> uh, Uncharted Two, um, which did kill my uh, my place, my first PlayStation Three. I'm glad to have only had one more since, uh, which is still alive. Yeah, but, uh, I, think, I think generally as well. Obviously, the PS3 was was really good because of um, if and, and some of my friends do uh, you you download movies from the internet or TV shows and everything else. It, it, there was a lot more flexibility to be able to sort of play those on the PS3. So that was a lot There's more. Yeah. actually a system in place where if it feels you're playing a pirate film or a rich Blu-ray, hmm. um, it actually shuts itself down and um, says that this is an illegal copy. So they've actually got. It's called Synavia, and it's um, it's mind-numbingly annoying. Um, but yes, yeah, Synavia is a program within the PSU that actually now reads whether the item is. Oh, a really? Yes. So, oh, wow. so when it was it was the video machine to have. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but now not so much. So can I avoid that by not updating my next time I put it online? <laughs> or is that is that a standard thing that just just comes on now? Uh, I, I I think that came with an update, Dave. I think save your lovely, great big fat sixty gigabyte monstrosity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is it. I, I haven't set it up because I haven't been able to afford the flat van to bring it across <laughs> from where I've, I've got had it. Bad back for a while, you know, lifting playstations. I've got it in storage, and uh, yeah, eventually when I work out where to put the coal, I'll I'll set it off running again. But it's, it's not in a big it's not in a big giant warehouse that was last seen at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, is it? It is in a warehouse, but it's it's with a load of the DeLoreans that the uh, I, the Irish government funded and couldn't sell. So hopefully <laughs> it it should be okay. But uh, yeah, it's a beast of a machine. But uh, yeah, I I quite enjoyed the PS3. But uh, like I say, I, I I haven't played Last of Us, which I know you're a massive fan of. I'm, I'm not the only one. It is Absolutely. universally beloved. I believe it sold more than one copy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not like my last album, then no. Um, ah yes. <laughs> we all remember that, but yeah. But I'm looking at right. Okay, so I've got in front of me because, uh, like I said, I am. I'm convinced the Xbox what, the Xbox One is the way to go. My problem with the Xbox One, Dave, is I think there's a lot of unnecessary attachments. Um, I I had a Connect hmm. when I had a bigger flat, um, and there was a couple of games that I really enjoyed. There was one involving a catapult. Yeah. And I used to have one when I had a flat. <laughs> but God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes, uh, but uh, with the Connect 2, the Connect was a gimmick. I played Star Wars Connect, I thought that was great until you had to do the disco dancing bit. Yeah, um, but you can't dance, that's the problem. That is, that is slander, sir. I can, <laughs> cut, I can cut up a rug like, you never, you, like you've never seen. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, with the Connect, I think it's a brilliant idea. The concept is great, but the, um, the actually having to like push your sofa back close all the windows to make sure, you know, make sure the right amount of lights come in. Yeah. I think if the Connect 2 can improve on that, great, but for me it's too little too late. I, I think the whole moving your body to control the game thing, kind of, with the Wii initially it was fantastic. You could, you know, you could bowl a ball like it was in your hand and all that kind of thing, but I, I do think it's kind of been done to death now and um, I don't think I'd use the Connect 2 at all. I don't know, I, I, was a, I was a fan of it and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it with the sort of demos that I played and stuff and like I say, Star Wars was really good and Absolutely fantastic. And then they went and did the absolutely unforgivable Fable Journey. It wasn't good, was it? It was. Uh, it, it wasn't just not good. It was an abomination of a game. 
It was like someone taking your, your favourite movie and recreating it using kids from a drama school wearing masks of famous actors. It was like watching Glee perform Pulp Fiction. Absolutely, there we go. That's a much better description that I could ever come up with at this point. <laughs> to do. But yeah, completely, because it was just like, they took the, it was literally the characters you love doing things you don't want them to do. <laughs> it was, everything, it just lacked the humour, and oh, it, it was awful. But generally, in terms of Kinect games, I don't think I played a single Kinect game more than once. It was very much a, oh, there's a couple of people around, but yeah, let's have a go. If you live on your own, like I do, and especially when I was in London, if you live on your own in a flat that's overlooked by your neighbours, the last thing you want to be doing is standing in front of a television in your pants, jumping up and down, pretending, pretending rather, <laughs> to, to attack orcs. Um, I had a similar, um, I had a Wii Fit board and um, a member of my family asked me specifically to stop pretending to jog um, by the window. The neighbours thought I had gone mad. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was with the Kinect, um, the game or programme that I used more than any was uh, the UFC workout because it was actually a good little workout. Um, really? Or, or was that because you felt like a big man because it said the words UFC on it and you thought, yeah, this makes me like a fighter. It was like George Pierre, you know, George St. Pierre was like, you know, wow, this guy's a badass. I'm like, boo Lesnar, come on. Boo Lee. <laughs> <laughs> boo Lesnar. Um, boo Lesnar. But, um, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the Kinect, there was one other game I want to mention on the Kinect, and it's mm-hmm. really bothered me because I can't remember the name. But um, Shoot, I, I work in that particular field. The, uh, the, the, game, the game was a freebie, uh, and it was basically you air guitar, and a guitar appears made out of light in your hand. You air drum, and a drum set appears under you. You play the, the keyboard, and the keyboard appears under you. And it basically, I've had a room of four wrestlers who I would consider... Probably some of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life mm-hmm. come in and, and find me playing air guitar. I go, what are you doing, you silly, you silly twat? And I said, just come and stand there and pretend to drum. By the end of it, I had a video of four, of, as I said, what I consider the toughest guys I know with absolute shit-eating grins on their face, keyboard <laughs> and playing air bands. So um, that may even be what it was called. But uh, we were, yes, that, that, that was a very interesting evening and... Um, tears, literal tears of of comedy rolling down our faces but um, that was my best Kinect experience other than the UFC workout of course which made me feel like a man of course course. that that, that makes me think how things roll around and maybe the connecting like you say maybe that's gone gone for the wayside and and everything else but what's happened to Rock Band? What happened to Guitar Hero? The bottom fell out of the business. Suddenly like, disappeared. It was the thing at one point. When I, was, I, I know you and I have, <laughs> of my, I believe, my 30th birthday. Um, um, I believe it was the Leonard Skinner extended version of Freebird. <laughs> <laughs> Michael um, Hayes would be proud, yes. yes. <laughs> there were some graves rolled over in that night. Um, I, yes, considerably. Uh, it had to be the extended solo version. I think we're talking like, was it 14 minute version? Um, yeah, we had the full band out, but um, <laughs> yes, uh, I believe that was also the year Lady Gaga 
uh, came into popularity and Poker Face was being sung lots on, on that. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, fair dues. But yeah, I just think it, it, that's weird for me how that was just such a massive thing. And I remember selling loads of it and it was a big deal. And the, like you had, a, had like a game every six months for a I was gonna say, we, Lego we were, rock band or whatever. We were working, <clears throat> so, excuse me, me and Dave were working in retail together at that point. And yeah, there was. Yeah. Every every like six months, uh, you remember there was the Van Halen edition. There was. Do you remember how big the Beatles edition was meant to be? Absolutely, and, they put so much stock in that, and what and a you fucking were left with, joke! We were left with about twelve of the special editions, and I mean these things weren't small. We needed the stock. Yeah, this is going to get all boring and and retailing now, but we needed the stock space, and obviously these great big boxes of plastic guitars and drums were just filling the stock room and. Talking about the Beatles, sorry, very quickly, just completely diverting where we're talking about. Did you see the guy who, uh, in the States, a Chicago dentist, has bought the tooth of John Lennon? Or tooth, if you're from the Midlands. The the, the tooth, yeah. Yeah, he's got um, a a tooth of uh, John Lennon and has decided that he wants to try and clone it to make a DNA copy of John Lennon from the tooth. Based on the idea that people are currently trying to clone mammoths from frozen mammoths, he was like, yes, we can. Yeah, oh, yes, it's going to be great. We're going to make our own brand new John Lennon. Of all the people to bring back, I kind of dig that, yeah, John Lennon was cool. Surely, Dave, if you could bring back anybody from history, you you had access to a splice of their DNA, uh, anybody, who who would you bring back? Uh, For me, John Lennon isn't the one. Well, personally, I'm, I'm thinking there are, I think it's, a, a, believe me, I'm sure someone will Google this, I'm going to say this is going to be a podcast, and so someone's going to go, no, 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 you're fucking wrong. But I'm sure there are upwards of 30 monasteries that claim to have the circumcised skin from Jesus' penis. Well, he's got to have a huge wang to have that much Precisely. He's got to be like a fucking hot air balloon. <laughs> Jay Hodgkins has now been missing for two weeks. This morning, another cassette tape arrived at the Milking It studio. Let's listen to the Sticky Floor Fun Emporium. You wanna milk it and you know. Hello. If you can hear me, then I'm probably dead. My name's Jay Hodgkin and I'm trapped in an arcade called the Sticky Floor Fun Emporium. A dungeon of mystery. So, should we play the first game in this ordeal? It's a game called I'm Sorry. Yep, you're probably not going to be the only one. I'm Sorry was released by Corland Entertainment in conjunction with Sega in 1985. It's a Pac-Man-style maze evasion game that allows you a few bonus abilities such as being able to punch your pursuers and a jump button for dodging certain environmental hazards. It's also pretty much the very first Japanese political satire arcade game that I've ever played. Yeah, that's right, political satire in an arcade game. Not so innovative now, are we, Grand Theft Auto? This bad boy was sending up governments in the mid-1980s when you were still in video game short... Trousers? It satirises a former Prime Minister of Japan called Kaikin Tanaka. He was in office in the early 1970s 
and was known for some shady brown envelope style dealings with companies such as the American Lockheed Corporation. The title of the game is actually a play on words. Sorry, spelt S-O-R-I, is actually the Japanese word for Prime Minister. The game satirises Tanaka's greed by putting him in a maze of Tokyo streets, the goal of which is to clear the level of gold bars. Hmm, that's some biting satire right there. Perhaps someone can make a modern British take on I'm sorry and have David Cameron running around London taking away the filth-strewn hard drives of chronic masturbators. Perhaps the strangest thing about this game is its list of weird cameo stars as enemies. Any ancient geek will remember the Japanese version of Revenge of Shinobi on the Mega Drive that featured guest opponents like the Terminator, Spider-Man, Batman and Godzilla because, you know, fuck litigation. Well, this game may trump that list for a sinister ensemble of villainy. It starts off quite Japanese-centric. A comedian called Tomori, who had a primetime Japanese show at the time, is the most common pursuer. He wears a suit and sunglasses, and if he catches you, he kind of uh, sexually assaults you while dressed in a leather bra. That sounds like a ratings-winning concept for primetime television. Get on it, Simon Cow. Get on it now. Japanese wrestler Giant Babra is another with strong views against Tanaka's policies and will chase after you with a single-minded intent of giving you multiple backbreakers that make your eyes explode out of the sockets. Man, that guy was a stiff competitor. Big fan Vader can sympathise. Bloody Japanese wrestling, eh? I'm not sure why they're upset, but some North American celebrities have also taken issue with the corruption at the top of early 1970s Japanese politics. A pre-baby collecting Madonna will attempt to kiss you to death in an attempt to solve political corruption in Japan by offering its former premier her vagina. She was with Sean Penn at the time, and we know how much he likes a good cause. I don't think he'd be that keen on her methods, though. That's probably why he tied her up and tried to beat the shit out of her just before they got divorced. Michael Jackson teams up with his fellow pop star and causes issues with his moonwalking. He would probably have more of a motive for opposing David Cameron in that version I talked about earlier. You know, the one with the dodgy hard drives. If he was still alive. Allegedly. I'm not alleging that he's still alive, I'm alleging that he might be a paedophile. Then there's Carl Lewis, the gold medal winning Olympian who probably expected his video game debut to be in a track and field style caper. Not chasing after a Japanese politician in a maze like he's Clyde the fucking ghost from Pac-Man. There are other hazards like a relentless barrel that hates you and can absolutely not be stopped like it's the fucking Terminator or something. This mother will kill you far more times than the assorted trans-Pacific celebrities that haunt your days. They haunt your very days. But by far the most damning evidence of Tanaka's premiership isn't his corruption, his bribe-taking or even his greed. No, no, no. It's nothing like that at all. If this game is anything to go by, his worst act as the Prime Minister of Japan was to install fire hydrants that shoot fire. Someone must have authorised that motion. Mr Tanaka, ultimately the buck stops at you. You're the Prime Minister. You're ultimately responsible for hydrants that contain flamethrowers. When Shakespeare wrote that famous saying, fight fire with fire in his work, he was talking about responding to an attack by using a similar method to the attacker. He wasn't talking about fighting fire with actual fire. You appear to have taken that in its literal sense, and this suggests to me you are a very bad Prime Minister and very stupid. Ultimately, I'm Sorry is actually pretty playable. The controls are fairly tight, it's got a decent level of difficulty, and you've got these weird cameos popping up, which gives it that kind of curio factor. If you can find it, or find yourself locked in an amusement arcade with a sore ass and Finder's crispy pancakes, 
it's certainly worth a go. Three fag burns out of five. Right, well, I'm going to stop playing this and see if I can find a way out. See you next time, kids. See you next time. We interrupt your listening pleasure for a quick audio advert. Get used to it. It's paying the bills. Dave, is something burning? Yep, certainly is, boo. Uh, decided to uh, destroy my walking dead. <sighs> Work loads. The early editions are worth loads. What are you doing, man? No, no, Robert Kirkman means nothing to me now, my friend. What? <laughs> yep. Uh, that's it. What are, you, what are you burning? What is that you're putting on there? That's a Batman Incorporated. It's Grant Morrison. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry. Why are you doing this, Dave? That's what, literally, trust me, this is the warmest I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. Hang on a second. Just pass me that Alan Moore Watchman. Yes, yes, issue one. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Don't do that, Dave. Alan Moore will come for us. There we go. It's fine. Seriously, man. I I have completely gone down the wrong path, my friend, because I didn't realise that my life was based on the idea that comic books were cool. But yes, they are cool, boo. And you know what's cool? 8o'clockcomics.com. Because all these other comic books, honestly... I have been wiping my ass with pages from The Killing Joke because so that's what was in my comic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have literally been scraping the shit from inside the curvaceous moments of my asshole with pages from that comic book because I am a massive fan of 8 o'clock comics. I've seen what they do and compared it to what, to what I was into and, ah, oh, I've seen the light, boo. I've seen the light. You know what, Dave? After reading The Devil Dolls, I think you're right. 8oClockComics.com is definitely the way to go. Okay, so uh, here we are, and we're going to talk about SummerSlam, which was this Sunday, just gone. Um, it's the second biggest pay-per-view for WWE. And Dave, yet... I'm going to stop you there. Okay. I, I, I think the Royal Rumble is slightly bigger than SummerSlam. Oh, is it really? Okay. I, I, fucking hell. I, 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 I just sit corrected. You know, just in my, that's my opinion. But anyway, sorry, pray continue. <laughs> No, 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 you feel free to trample all over over <laughs> professional sounding thing I'm trying to do. Okay. <laughs> SummerSlam, the third biggest <laughs> WWE pay-per-view of the year. It, it, it still has massive uh, importance for us who remember it in terms of long-term fans and everything else. I still remember watching Andre the Giant and The Million Dollar Man and Elizabeth putting that dress off and everything else. So that still means a massive deal for, to me. I so remember, SummerSlam is, is still a huge thing, right? I remember crying my eyes out when Davy Boy pinned Brett in 92 at SummerSlam in in UK, in Wembley. Tears of a 10-year-old boy, the first time I remember crying with happiness. There you go, see, that's the sort of thing that's almost like, the, the emotion it invoked, that's amazing. So, let, <laughs> let's leave that to one side, and go to this year's SummerSlam, which was yes. probably not as emotionally exciting as that one. But uh, There was a bit of crying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, there's a couple of great matches, a couple of ones that weren't so good, but we're going to discuss it now between us, and hopefully, I don't know, because Boo has a different perspective, because obviously he's been in the ring, I've never been there, I've stood by the side of the ring while he's been wrestling, but I've never been in the ring myself, so let's let's see where this goes. So in terms of SummerSlam, 
the kickoff pre-show one, the one that was on YouTube, was Rob Van Dam, who was accompanied to the ring by Mark Henry and Big Show. And he went against Dean Ambrose, who was accompanied by the rest of the Shield. So why the hell are the Shield on a pre-show? Basically, I just think they were just trying to get as as many people in there as possible. And I'm going to be hated for this statement because I'm a big supporter of women's wrestling. But what was RVD and Ambrose doing on the pre-show when when the Bella Twins had, you know, they were right at the top of the card? I'm not questioning the WWE. It is the number one company in the world for a reason. Uh, I'm not questioning their booking. Yeah. and I mean, a lot, like many years ago when they started doing like three Hell in a Cells on a show, they had a Hell in a Cell to open the show. And I mean, 10 years ago, that would have been seen as Vince has gone senile. Yeah. You don't open the show with that. Um, but the fact that it wasn't, you know, this match for the, for the United States title wasn't even on the show um, when they put the women's match on there is... Is pretty crazy, especially since there's been hardly any build up to the women's match, and of course there has been a little bit of build up for the uh, for the for the for the title match. I believe RVD won a was it a battle royal yeah. to become the number one contender. Yeah. So I mean, there's already an existing storyline. Whereas then, the 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 the, uh, the women's match, I'm not sure had such a big build up. I might be wrong, but it did if you watch Total Divas on E. So ah, you've got that situation I, I, where they've got a yeah they, they are serving several mistresses. So does that mean that because they've got that deal now that you're always going to see a divas match on a pay per view? And like you say, absolutely, that match completely Natalia versus Brie Bella should have been on the pre-show. No one should have even had to watch that match unless they chose to watch it. But is that going to be the, the thing that happens going forwards? Well, possibly. I mean, Total, as far as I'm aware, Total Divas has actually got a, a bigger viewership than um, TNA Impact. Yeah, I mean, I'm a ma- again, I'm a massive supporter of women's wrestling. One of yep. my best friends, you know, I, I'm very supportive of her career. She's one of the top independent female wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah. And again, I'm very supportive. However, N- Natalia is a wrestler. Brie Bella is eye candy. Of course, yeah. Um, and RVD and, and Ambrose, they're wrestlers. Um, so, you know... I, I, I would have thought... Sorry to interrupt you, but I would have thought if, if I could have seen RVD versus Dean Ambrose as opposed to Del Rio versus Christian, I would have chosen Van Damme Ambrose. I'm sorry. What has happened to the world title picture in the last few years? It has been very sketchy. Mm, um, totally, they, they, they've not been any real decent top line feuds for that belt. I love Christian. Everyone loves Christian. I heard a brilliant story recently. Uh, Vince McMahon was on a plane with a writer, and they were talking about pushing Christian. And Vince McMahon just said to the writer, "I don't like his face." And the writer was like, "What do you mean he's ugly?" He says, "No, I don't. It, 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 he's got like a little rat face." And they were actually considering doing the gimmick where they were going to blur his face out while he was wrestling on TV. It was going to be a gimmick. <laughs> um, that is an honest to god true story. Um, that's the greatest but, thing I've ever heard. And Vince was like, it's not that he's ugly, I just think he's got a rat face. Um, but um, <laughs> Christian's not a bad wrestler. I've always thought he was a good wrestler. I think, I think he flourished in TNA because he was easily the best of a bad bunch. Hmm. Whereas in WWE, but if he is the king of the mid-card. In my opinion, he screams intercontinental champion. Completely. He is the ultimate mid-card. He's that 
sort of uh, Mr. Perfect. He is that, yeah, that kind of rude character that you think, well, he's never going to be a world champion, but he could be a really solid sort of intercontinental guy. Oh, definitely, definitely. But then when you talk to him and he talks about his world championship run, obviously, I'm sorry, and I don't mean any disrespect to him or anything else, but there is no way he would have been the world champion if Edge hadn't retired early from being injured. I mean, similarly, I don't think Ray would have been champion had any not died. Absolutely. Completely. Year. You know, and, yeah. that, and that's that horrible moment where you think, well, I don't want to say you're not worthy of it and everything, but the emotional investment that the crowd has and everything else, yeah, of course you can do it, but that doesn't exist now. You know, two or three years down the line, you shouldn't be in that position. And the fact that they are releasing a T-shirt for Christian that says one more match says to me, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how long Christian's got left. He has been running full pelt um, for the same length of time as the Hardys, the Dudleys. Back in 2000, they were having those full-on TLC matches. They were having the triple ladder matches. They were having the gimmick matches. Christian's one of the only ones that hasn't stopped. And, yeah. you know, and whether it's been in TNA, whether it's been in WWE, he's a goer, but he's not got much left. I, I, yeah, again, all respect to him. I don't think he's got that much time left uh, as a career. I think any any kind of title wins now will be um, kind of a, a thank you as opposed to a this guy is the world champion. There was no way that anyone thought going into SummerSlam he was going to beat Alberto Zaria. No, and they were right. Absolutely. The only people who beat Alberto Del Rio were those guys in the Irish bar the night before <laughs> who kicked the fuck out of him. I, I just got to say, I love the fact that when that news came out, everyone, the news was there's been a fight involving Drew McIntyre yeah. and Alberto Del Rio, and everyone was like, ah, oh, you never fuck with a Scots. You don't fuck with a Scottish guy. Sorry for my Welsh accent there. It's not. That's uh, nice, yeah, the Pakistan. Um, and it turned out that they were fighting side by side. Yeah. And that's great. I just love the fact that everyone jumped on it like, you don't mess with the Scots. You don't mess with the Latino guy, but those guys will fuck you up. Um, I'm sorry, yeah. but back in the day, you don't fuck with a wrestler? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these guys that are messing with the wrestlers? Regardless um, of where they're from, the fact they've got into that industry used to be a sign of, do you know what? I can kick your ass. Yeah, totally. Um, so I, just just very briefly, it always surprised me when little guys would come up to me and be like, "Oh, I hear you're a wrestler. That's all fake, isn't it?" Oh yeah, no, it's definitely fake. I'll pretend to kick the shit out of you right now if you like. But um, <laughs> it always shocked me. I was like, I would never. I, I like. Oh, I'll be like, "Who's the hardest guy in the bar?" That guy's a boxer. Oh, you're a boxer, are you? Do I have any wrist taped up? Do you like throwing punches while you're in? You, know, you don't mess with that guy. It's, it, it is like tickling Chuck Norris's bum. You don't mess with him. <laughs> You're going to get punched. Who are these guys messing with the wrestlers? I know I know. it's like a thing where, like, look how hard I am. I'm going to mess with the biggest dude. But, yeah. you know, imagine someone trying to fuck with Harley Race. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Completely. But, 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 again, that was a totally different like, era and everything else. So... Okay, so that was that was the first match of SummerSlam. <laughs> oh God, you know, yeah, we're not running over time at all. No, um, no, don't worry about it. We can, we can edit this down. So the first actual match of the pay per view was Bray Wyatt versus Kane. This is this is Bray Wyatt's first 
showcase on the big screen. Okay. You know, so people may even not have known who he was and everything else, but it, it was a, just to let people know, it was a... Um, a Ring of Fire match, Dave. A Ring of Fire match, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't even refresh my page to, to get the information up. Yeah. Uh, um, Dave, this match was really rotten. It was um, completely rotten. And I, I, I cried almost because... <laughs> I love the Wyatt family. That is such a good gimmick. It is the best, it's the best so entrance. Florida. It's so Dustin Rhodes. <clears throat> it's the so Kevin Sullivan. The Undertaker, in my opinion, that is the best entrance I've ever seen since it's The Undertaker. Just brilliant. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's brilliant. And um, I had real high hopes going into this match. In fact, I'll be honest. This is probably the match I was looking forward to the most going in. Completely. Um, there were a few background things on this match. I know that Kane is about to go off and do See No Evil 2. Of course. Uh, without the mask. Yeah. A few notable things. Okay, and I, 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 please listeners understand, I, I have worked in the wrestling industry. I'm very nitpicky when it comes to stuff. Like the amount of times that Bray Wyatt threw a kick or a, a clothesline, completely right. missed Kane, yeah. and Kane sold it still. Now, I don't know whether he was told to work really light with Kane because they can't, Get, risk him being injured before the movie, mm. um, you know. But I, I was di- I was disappointed. They were saying it's the first Ring of Fire match. It was the third Inferno match. You had Kane. <clears throat> you had the original one. Yep. Um, you had Kane um, versus but, MVP. The second it, one. Sorry, it was the first one where you didn't actually have to set the person on fire. That's fair. That, no, that's true. And also, probably the one with the best fire effects. I thought that whoever was at ringside doing the flames was really good. Uh, I don't know. The first one at Unforgiven, was it 98? or? It was 98. It yeah. was, um, who was he against? Was it Kane versus... It was Kane Nunsaker, wasn't it, the first one? Possibly. www.facebook.com <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, or or. or I'm sure because I remember him doing the big jumping elbow and jumping clothesline. Sorry, and he did, he did the big dive over the top rope. Guys, ignore that. It's www.facebook.com forward slash milkinit. Do not tell us who was against the cane at Unforgiven '98 in the Inferno. It was because he did the big dive over the top rope. Yeah, and yeah. one dive and it looked spectacular. MVP was the second one. Yes, yeah, of course. That was a bit disappointing, but then yes, again, it was yeah, it was a weird gimmick to bring back. But, and, but yeah, the Ring of Fire match um, did not live up to expectations in any way, shape or form. Uh, Bray Wyatt's finisher has been seen a million times. I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not having a go. It's an interesting move. It's nice for a big guy to be able to do that. I'm sure that was Mike Knox's finish not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not that just just did not live up to expectations. Really disappointed with that match. Definitely the one I wanted to see and the one I was most disappointed with. Fair news. Okay. So the, the second match uh, was Cody Rhodes who defeated Damian Sandow. Does that make sense? Damian Sandow has the Money in the Bank briefcase. Cody Rhodes beats him. How many times are we supposed to watch him lose and still think he's a credible threat to the championship? Right. The way I see the booking is that Damien Sander had his big moment at TLC at a cost of Cody Rhodes' big moment. Did you see how busy Cody was in his money in the back? He was the MVP of that match, in my opinion. Yeah. He, He really put together some excellent spots. Sorry for sounding Marky there. He, yeah. he, he, he put he he really shone in that match, 
and it even and it was designed to make him shine because when he really when it was him about to grab the briefcase and Damien Sandow came, that was designed to elicit the groan. It would have been Cody's night. Fast forward to SummerSlam, Cody gets one back, and he's obviously the face in this situation. There's no two ways about it. He, yeah. They are they are building it so that people get behind Cody Rhodes, if you will. Um, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm I'm totally. I mean, I love Dusty. I love Goldust. I yeah. think Cody is, you know, the heir to the throne. Um, it's something completely different for him to be a face because throughout the entire, as long as I remember Cody Rhodes being there, you know, there was legacy. Um, you know, they, they, all of the, he's been a heel. So this is a real good time for him to shine as a face for a little bit. And by God, I hope they bring back his old version of um, his theme tune, which, in my opinion, is one of the best theme tunes in wrestling history. Smoke and mirrors, love it. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, we've talked about Alberto and Christian. We've talked about Talia not deserving to be on the card. Um, the next one, obviously, number five of the night, was Brock Lesnar. Oh, sorry. Brock Lesnar. Um, With Paul Heyman match of the year completely I, I absolutely agree I'm sorry I, I can't even go against you I, I'd like to because I like getting you know we, we should have opposite points completely, Brock Lesnar but... has not Brock Lesnar's done nothing for me when he first came in with, and he was power bombing the shit out of the Hardy Boys I thought this guy's kind of cool Yeah. he got fast tracked he won King of the Ring I thought this guy's alright the prize for King of the Ring was a title shot he beats the Rocks clean I thought he had it too easy I didn't think the character was there. Um, and fast forward to the uh, to the match with Angle. It was a great match, but that's because Angle is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He could have a good match with a towel. Um, and I'm not saying Brock can't. I'm saying that, you know, the reason yeah. I watched the Brock versus Angle match was not for Brock. Then you, had, then you had Brock versus Goldberg. That was just Exactly. Yeah. Now fast, now, now one fast. of the worst matches of all time. But, sorry, can I add, one of the matches that you can play in the new WWE 2K14 game. As long as you play as Austin, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, you're playing as Goldberg. Wow. Not even yeah. Goldberg wants to play as Goldberg. Completely. Um, <clears throat> no, yeah. But fast forward to SummerSlam and Brock Lesnar and CM Punk have easily the most believable and in my in my opinion so far the best match this year. I I, I praise from Caesar himself. I I don't like I, if I think a match is good, then they're doing their job and I don't want to praise them. But but these guys went above and beyond. You, CM Punk took on board all of the MMA spots that, that made Brock look like a legit monster. Yeah. Paul Heyman paid played his part beautifully. It's the first match that sorry. That, that, no, 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 that Brock's done since he's come back that you've seen transitions in. I mean, it was everything about it was fantastic. Yeah, and I, I mean that was match of the year, absolutely. Um, I went in. But is, a, but is it match of the year because it looks more real than anything you've seen before, or they've done pro wrestling better than anyone? I actually think there were different elements. I mean, the M mm. the MMA the MMA spots were fantastic. I mean, Brock's chair shots at the end. Yes. Right yeah. Now, it's just unbelievable. I think it was match of the year because it had so much, so many different elements, and it actually had the element of surprise. I didn't know who was going to win. Yeah. In fact, I thought Punk was going to win. Yeah. The majority of it, and I'm not. 
I don't like to think of myself as a fan. I spent 10 years in the business. I like to second guess that I just, I, I, it made me become a fan again for those brief moments. Not that I'm not a fan, but it made me believe again. And, you know, if you're a magician, you know how to do all the tricks. If you're a wrestler, you kind of get a feel for what people are up to. Yeah. These guys totally surprised me. I got worked. I thought it was brilliant. Just, I think, I think the MMA spots worked in this match because Brock was a former UFC champion. I think if you saw Scotty Too Hearty <laughs> versus, yeah. you know, uh, versus Tensai and they start busting out MMA spots, I'd think, what the hell are these guys doing? Um, but it worked. It was a natural thing because Brock's background. And I think all the elements came together to create one of the most exciting matches I've ever seen. Remember, this wasn't for any title either. There was nothing... No, there was no. Nothing, no. There was nothing at stake but pride. And, yeah. and I mean, they... they just congratulations to all, all three people in that match. Punk, Lesnar, Heyman, just fantastic. Just fantastic match. Really good. Okay, so next was the, the Dolph Ziggler and Caitlin versus Biggie Langston and AJ Lee. Biggie Langston, yes. Uh, Chuck Lesnar. As a, as a, <laughs> as a, <laughs> oh, you can't as a, say that. That's not a Boo original. That is a, a, that, on Twitter... Biggie Langston went on Twitter and said, you know, some of these nicknames are doing my head in. There's Black Goldberg or Blackberg and there's, yeah. there's this or the other. However, I do accept Chuck Lesnar because that is genuinely funny. That's a Biggie Langston saying that. It's not a original. Okay, that's fine. So from now on, the Milkiest podcast will call that Chuck Lesnar. <laughs> In the nicest possible way. Uh, I like Biggie. I'm amazed that his finisher doesn't t- put his shoulder out every time he hits it. Yeah. Um, AJ Lee obviously is... Uh, well, she's a tasty bit of uh, eye candy, and um, she loves wrestling. And you can see, you yes. can see, she loves wrestling. They they give her some ridiculous things to do sometimes. I I don't dig the way she does the Harlequin skip around. I don't think it makes her look any weirder or anything. No. She she's a weird chick anyway. Character wise, I don't know her personally. I'm sure she's lovely personally. Um, I think I, I think that sort of intense. Oh, she's weird could be done equally as much by her standing still and just staring. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the camera shot that matters. It's not her skipping around the, the fucking ring. Are you aware of the overbearing girlfriend meme or the over... It's just a girl with a weird stare. Um, I think she could have used that as an inspiration instead of Harlequin uh, circa Arkham City. Then, yeah, you're right. He could have come across a bit. Uh, if she if, if she's going for the the whole Harley Quinn thing, then she's failing because she does not come across like the homicidal girlfriend. She comes across as someone who's looking for some direction. Yeah, totally. It's like she does not have an idea in her head of, all oh, right, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. No, she looks like someone who needs somebody else to tell her what to do. Yeah, totally. Um, but so you've got B.E. Langton, you've got A.J. Lee, yeah. Dolph Ziggler, the man who could bump a fart. This guy is fantastic. <laughs> he is, I, I know, I'm, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon, Everyone, I, we were already on the bandwagon. When Dolph started coming through, you could see real talent. I mean, I, 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 he was very forgettable as uh, Nicky from the Spirit Squad. Yep. He was even more forgettable as um, Kerwin White's caddy. Yes. This <laughs> is um, what, four days? Yeah. Five days? It, so this guy's gone through the machine a couple of times. He's gone through the WWE machine a couple of times. And this, this new gimmick, well, not new, but he's, his most recent gimmick, Dolph Ziggler, he's come through and he 
I mean, when he won the world title, people yeah. were literally pulling their hair out with happiness. I mean, he he, he had he, he'd earned it a long time ago. Yeah, of course. I mean, and I know we're obviously going to touch on this later with the Daniel Bryan's match, but they appear to be giving people the title who deserves it, only to take it away from them almost instantly. Which uh, leads us fantastically to the Daniel Bryan match. Um, not going to talk about this it because there's not much to talk about, basically. No. I'm afraid. Sorry. No. Sorry, guys. No, no, sorry, 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 Kate. Sorry, guys. You're just no, not, not very good. Yes, this does lead us on to the main event, Dave. Let's talk about this main event. Yes, let's. Because it's the first uh, pay-per-view I've watched properly all the way through with a bunch of friends for a long time. And I thought, in the main, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena was one of the most boring fucking matches I've ever watched. Until, Until the last... 15, 20 minutes of it. Agreed. I agree with that. It was very slow to start. Sorry. Yeah. Totally. Very slow to start. Very exciting final half of that match. Very the, exciting. The, the final half, I was up and literally, I was standing. And I, I haven't done that for a long time. What, um, stand? <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I literally lived my life sitting down. No, but no, I, I was genuinely excited. I thought, yes, this is it. This is the guy. He's going to be there. And okay, right. You know, getting excited and thought, right, he's going to end any minute. And there's loads of false finishes and everything else. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, right, that's fine. But then I fucked it. Your thoughts? Um, right. The, the, the finish, the, the finish, the clean pin was great. I would have preferred to have seen Cena tap out to the LaBelle lock. Yeah. Um, but a, a th- um, and maybe a three count's more important. I mean, I try I try not to get too bogged down with the internet um, kind of views. I know they hate Cena. He does what he's told. He's a, he's a company man. I, I have no feelings for him one way or the other. I don't find him an especially interesting wrestler. The last time I popped for a Cena match was the last man standing with Umaga. Mm. Um, but, Ra- sorry? Was it Raw Rumble? Yeah, Royal Rumble 2009. Yes, yeah, that was a great match, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Cena is the ultimate company man. And, um, you know, I did enjoy the match for what it was. It was a big-time main event. It had a big-time main event field. The crowd were firmly behind Daniel Bryan. Um, or Bryan Danielson, or whatever they're calling him now, WWE. I think I got it right first time. Yeah. But, um, and... And the finish was exactly as I expected. Mm. Uh, he, you know, with the bit, and, and I love the fact that the big Kenta knee has come across into the Americans. I mean, so now you've got Kenta's knee off Daniel Bryan's. You've got the go to sleep from CM Punk. That guy must be pissed with American wrestling right now. <laughs> They've stolen all his all his all his gimmicks. Um, but I, I I did enjoy the match overall, and I think we should save a little extra time for the uh, for the real finish, shall we say? Um, when Triple H was left standing in that ring, yeah, all I was thinking was, oh god, oh god, oh god, here we go. Who's it going to be? That's it. You, you knew the moment he was there because we're educated across the past ten, fifteen yes. years. 
he would have just raised the arm and fucked off. He would have slid but, under the bottom rope yeah, and completely. focused on Daniel Bryan completely. And my so. problem was that he didn't get involved at any point during the whole match. He was just a referee. So you knew there must be something coming. There's no point in having a special referee unless they are there for a special reason. Completely. It, they're not a special referee unless they're getting involved. So, yeah. No. Yeah, totally. Um, now, the reaction from the internet. Obviously, for those that have what, you know, this is a, this is not a spoiler-free zone. Daniel Bryan. No, it's it's going to be a week Cena, after the whole thing, so, yeah. You know, John Cena got pinned one, two, three. Never said that in a promo. He got pinned. Um, Daniel Bryan started... Celebrating outcomes, Randy Orton. I have never heard such a weird pop. It was a mixture mm. of excitement and yeah. groans. That was a weird pop. I've heard a lot of sounds. You know, in Japanese wrestling, they're all very quiet and then they clap. There's all different. The crowds react differently around the world. However, I've never heard such a strange noise of half excitement, half groan. And he came out. Daniel Bryan's was doing the whole, you know, come on, I'm still ready. Come on, I'm still ready. And I actually wondered for a few seconds. I was like. Okay, that's how they're going to end the show. They're going to set up Orton yeah. and um, and uh, Danielson or uh, Bryan's even, whatever. Mm. One pedigree later, Daniel Bryan's had just taken an onslaught from John Cena. We're talking attitude adjustments, the whole five moves of doom. Yeah, and he is unconscious to one pedigree. Triple H. All this time later, you're still at it. Stop holding the young uns down. Um, but yeah, the backlash from the internet was fantastic. You, uh, you motherfuckers, you hate the fans. I even saw a guy say, I am boycotting all WWE products and programming until they give that belt back to Brian Daniels. And I was like, that, <laughs> that is a fan because you know he's talking shit. The next day on Monday Night Raw, he was there with his pants around his ankles yeah, and a cup of popcorn. Like, you know he loves it. And this is the thing about WWE. If they had just given the fans what they want, what are they going to do next month? It's far more interesting to see Daniel Bryan's chasing the title than to have it. It's always been more interesting to see. You watch Rocky. It's much better to say, why would you want to start the story of Rocky with him being a champion? No, you've got to, it's, the, it's the quest for, for glory, the quest for the belt. And I think they did exactly the right thing at the right time. Kudos to Vince, kudos to Triple H, kudos to everyone at WWE for that decision because it was the right decision. So, that was the first ever Milking It podcast. Thank you very much for downloading, and I hope you enjoyed it. It was just us chatting for an hour. Uh, I, I want to keep it to under an hour. I know we chatted for two and a half. There was so much stuff I wish I could have included. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not all about the laughs, it's about the opinions, because that's what we're here for. It, it, it's just geek culture, ladies and gentlemen. So, thank you. Uh, once again, thank you, Dino Peppers. Thank you very much, Jay Hodkins. Thank you very much, John Sands, for the music. That doom doom that's all John I, I couldn't do that I know how to do that at the end of the day he is a legend and thank you very very much Boo Lamont so me and Boo we're back next week I hope you'll tune in an hour's worth of chit chat and hopefully a little bit more different than what we're doing now <laughs>